Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was I Say a Little Prayer from Aretha Franklin. Good morning. Nice way to start the programme here on Jazz FM. This is, of course, Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. My business shaper today is Emma Jones, officially an entrepreneur because she set up an amazing business a few years ago called Tech Locate and more recently one called Enterprise Nation. And on top of that, she is a co-founder of Startup Britain. You'll be hearing a lot from her very shortly. In a in addition to hearing from Emma, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, I promise you a brilliant mix of music from the shapers of jazz, soul and blues today, including Gregory Porter, Muddy Waters and this from Booker T here on Jazz FM. That was Booker T and Sound the Alarm. Emma Jones is my business shaper today, as I build earlier. She is the founder of Tech Locate back in 2000 and of a business called Enterprise Nation. Uh, she's also, as I said, the co-founder of Startup Britain. That's the campaign to basically get us all up and going in business and start businesses um, all from uh, the great idea that actually creating business creates wealth and gets this economy going again. Emma, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Lovely to be here. Let's start at the end. Startup Britain. Um, 500,000 businesses, I believe, have been created since Startup Britain campaign began back in about 2011. Actually, I will correct you oh, on that first statistic. How many? So 500,000 businesses began purely in 2013 alone. Whoa, brilliant. So the campaign launched 28th of March 2011. So as you say, the campaign's been going for three years. And a big thing, I think, for all the founders of the campaign was to get to a year where the UK could hit over half a million new businesses. So in 2013, I distinctly remember the day. It was Friday the 13th. Usually unlucky for some, it was lucky this day, and it was the morning of that the UK hit half a million businesses. So in 2013, the UK ended the year on 524,000 new companies that had been formed in that 12 months alone. And in the 12 months before that, a much lower number? In the 12 months before that, it was 484,000. So what you've seen in the UK is this kind of gradual escalation. The one thing I will say is 2014 that we're now in, I'm not quite sure it's going to be as high as it was in 2013. So it's been fantastic that we've had hopefully a change in entrepreneurial culture the startup landscape is much brighter than when we first launched startup britain so you've now got startup loans launched by lord young you've got startup weekends startup boot camps startup activity happening in schools so there's such a bright landscape there's a lot going on to encourage people but as i say i'm not quite sure we'll hit that kind of half a million figure again but i think it'll still teeter around 450,000 for this year now, you're one of um, a number of um, the co-founders that I happen to have had the privilege uh, <laughs> uh, of their company, including Luke Johnson, who came a little bit later, Michael Heyman, who's involved, Lara Morgan, who is involved, uh, Duncan Cheadle, who is involved. All of those people have been here before talking about business uh, on Jazz Shapers. What is it that makes all of you who you are? Why, why is Emma Jones sitting next to me now talking about business? 
Uh, well, I would like to think it's because all of us have got huge passion for what it is that we do. And uh, maybe the previous guests had kind of told the story of the beginnings of Startup Britain is eight of us uh, came together who were each, we were each doing things in the small business space. So for over a decade, uh, my business has been helping people start and grow their own business. It's something I feel hugely passionate about. You mentioned in the introduction that more self-employed people creates a more entrepreneurial economy, but also good for society. And I think this is something maybe that gets a little bit forgotten is an increase in startup rates is great for the economy. We've now got 4.9 million small businesses that are actively growing. But what we don't mention quite as much, which I still feel as strongly about, is uh, 70% of new businesses that are started are started from home. So what you're seeing is mums and dads educating the next generation of entrepreneurs, staying at home and being kind of family friendly in the business that they're running, uh, not even filling up the roads at commuting time, spending more in their local economies. We're just doing a survey at the moment are self-employed people healthier than employees so there's lots of social benefits as well as the economic benefits and I think the thing that brought all of those founders together is we've all got a big passionate commitment to say right let's get more startups started and then let's help those businesses to grow find out much more about what Emma Jones thinks on business especially her business which I'll be asking about very shortly in the meantime though time for some music this is Gregory Porter and hey Laura hey Laura it's me Sorry, but I had to ring your doorbell so late But there's something bothering me I really am sorry, but it just couldn't wait is there That was Gregory Porter and Hey Laura. Emma Jones is my business shaper, co-founder of Startup Britain, founder of Enterprise Nation, founder of Tech Locate. It's great when you sell those things and you go, yes, that's me. Not me, but you. Emma, um, we were talking before about why those people came together to, f- to form Startup Britain. And you talked about a simple thing, which I hear often, it's around passion. Go back to around the end of the 90s, just before the 2000 thing happens and everyone's going crazy and saying the web is the next place where business will be done. And they were right. And then they were wrong. And then they were right again. What encouraged you to set up your first business? Exactly what you've just said. And I was talking to somebody about this the other day. The year 2000, which was when I started my first business, it was an incredible time. The media was filled with stories of people saying, we're raising lots of money. The web has changed how industries will form. People were starting new ventures. It was an incredibly exciting time. And I think the media had a really big role to play in encouraging lots of people like me to kind of read the papers, look on the blogs each day. And I literally thought I could do this. I was in a sector working for a big accounting firm, uh, a sector called Inward Investment. So my job was attracting companies from outside of the UK to move into the UK. And I thought, right, if all of these people can start successful dot-com companies, why can't I do the same for Inward Investment? So I did, um, one of the titles of one of my books is called Working 5 to 9, which involves keeping hold of the day job and starting the business at nights and weekends. So I started Working 5 to 9 on a business plan. And it was a very exciting time, but... I think what you've alluded to is some business basics went out of the window. So we, uh, my first business was with a business partner. We wrote a business plan. We went to pitch to a still a very famous venture capital company and we said, right, we want three million pounds and we have no idea how we're going to make this money back. And they said, right, we'll lend it to you. Fortunately, we didn't need to borrow it. And when you look back now, and this is why I like it's come full circle, the internet is enabling more businesses again. But what you see this time around is not the story of people raising loads of money 
money and having no idea how they were going to make sales. What you now see is lean startup, people starting on a bootstrap of a budget, they're keeping their costs low, they're co-working and sharing space, they're not spending that much and they've got a real focus on saying we know how we're going to make sales. So it was hugely interesting to start in 2000 and have the experience and see how that worked. But I think starting a business in 2014 is on a much more sensible basis. Hear much more from my business shaper, Emma Jones. Uh, That's coming up after the latest travel in a couple of minutes. And before that, some words of wisdom for your business, or one that you're hatching at least, from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. I'm Sonal Gandhi. I'm a partner in the real estate group at Mishkondorea. I act for the private individual and their companies in buying and selling high-end residential properties in central London, as well as acting for private banks in their secured lending work um, on residential properties. The most important thing to know about working on complicated transactions is to effectively appoint a pivotal person that's going to act as the project manager of that transaction. Invariably, there's going to be a number of parties involved. It goes without saying that with so many people involved in a transaction, things can start going astray. So it's essential to have a go-to person. It's very much like that person is the conductor of an orchestra. All of the players are musicians in that orchestra. They each have a piece of music to read. Without that conductor, they're not going to play in tune, in harmony, to get the end result. Therefore, my advice is to have that person who can control, who can communicate and ensure that all parties are cooperating together. Too many cooks, disaster. They all start going off on their own agenda without having that person to essentially manage the process and effectively deliver that goal for that client. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. You can catch us every Saturday morning here on Jazz FM between the hours of 9 o'clock until 10 please be punctual you can also if you don't get the chance every week to listen to us go back into itunes put in the words jazz and shapers and find us over there if you happen to be flying with british airways you'll also catch us on high life or if you're reading the ft online we'll be there or even city am in other words we're in lots of places emma jones is my business shaper today she's the person behind tech locate back in 2000 you may have been hearing from her earlier and more recently back in 2006 i believe enterprise nation and then much more recently co-founder of startup Britain, which is encouraging all of us to get off our whatever you want to call them and get going and set up our own businesses. Emma, you alluded to the kind of the, the stop-start nature of um, the dot-com uh, boom and then the, the, the bubble, and you talked about the media and the impact that that had on you. Your business essentially, though, that, that, that did take off then, you were basically approached after 15 months to sell it. This company that you hadn't had to get a penny of investment in because, or rather you got it from, you didn't have to borrow. I think you got it from existing customers, I understand. Yep. Then 15 months later, a big other company says, comes along and says, I want to buy you. Talk about, I mean, the life cycle of a business being you know, concentrated. What did you learn from all of those things? Well, Elliot, this is the incredible thing. It was a two-year intensive learning experience. And actually what I should say is when we first had the call from the big company saying, we've been watching you, we would like to talk to you, we actually thought, 
thought it was a hoax call. We were 15 months old. We were like, surely no one has been looking and, and how could we even be in the position? And how could you be? Why were they looking? How did they know you were good? Well, they knew we had, um, and again, anything that I give advice to small businesses now is we had raised our profile very quickly. So we'd had, in fact, my business partner was kind of a PR professional. So we'd made a big point about saying we were kind of the new kids on the block starting a business, but we wanted to be taken seriously. We had a big focus on media, press, profile. So hopefully we were quite easy to pick up. But I think um, this is a, a kind of a business message is it's great that you get noticed and we did get approached from this company. What also had been a big focus for us is keeping the financial housekeeping in order. So when the finance director of the company that said we want to acquire you came to do due diligence, what they also saw is not only had we done this kind of quite exciting front of let's get out there and tell everybody that we exist, but also we'd kept our costs low and we did, as I said before, we'd had that focus on sales to make sure the money was coming in. The other thing that helped when we sold is I was 27, my business partner was 29. We'd never sold a company before. But we had a non-executive director who was older, wiser, he'd had more experience. And what was great, even a question of, is the company that came to acquire us, one of the days they said, how much will you sell for? And I still remember scurrying back to the non-exec saying, how much, how much will we sell for? He said, no, no. He said, the way it happens is they approached you and they should state a valuation because a valuation of a company so many times is based on essentially what the person is prepared to pay for it. So we said, no, you come back to us with a figure. Things like like that that I wouldn't have known we massively benefited from having a non-exec in place so we sold the company within two years I then did a lock-in clause and then straight on to the next business I was going to ask you and you kind of answered it but I just want to push on it a moment that bit of gravitas that bit of knowledge from someone older at a time when really you had no right to know what you were doing in a kind of uh, a a non-rude way you were a young person who just started and obviously you had your Arthur Anderson I believe your the background over there and you've got your law and Japanese degree and all those clever things but in real terms, very little actual practical practice. If you hadn't have had that non-exec now, then rather, would we be having this conversation now, do you think? Uh, Who knows what life turns kind of take? Um, I would think we would hopefully still be having the conversation, but it wouldn't necessarily have been the story that we're now talking about. His role definitely helped because, as I say, we turned to him. It was a very quick time period. I should also say he had an equity stake in the business, so he did very well out of it. It was a very quick exit for him. But we're involved currently with a government programme called Growth Vouchers where the government has put £30 million to market and the whole aim of the Growth Vouchers programme is to encourage small businesses to access advice to grow. And it's interesting, when you look at the cultural, uh, I guess, approach to accessing advice in Britain, we don't do it as much as they do in the States. I think there's this very British attitude of, well, if I'm a business owner, I should know everything. So why should I get advice? So we're very involved with the Growth Vouchers programme because I've personally seen at first hand the benefits of accessing advice. And I see it every day when I meet small businesses. If you find a mentor, if you've got someone who has been down the road of selling, exiting, building businesses, you can very quickly learn from them. So I do think it's something that every small business should have a look at. More great advice coming up from my business shaper, Emma Jones. Time for some music, though, in the meantime. Muddy Waters and I Can't Be Satisfied. Back no more Going 
That was Muddy Waters, and I can't be satisfied. Emma Jones, my business shape, we've been hearing lots of things, especially around advice, I think brilliant advice, around getting people who know what they're doing around you when you may not know quite as much as you uh, want to know. When you then had sold your first business and you start to set up your second one, what's the drive at that moment? Obviously, you had a bit of money in, in, the, in your pocket. What is it you go, this is what I want to do? Why go again so fast? Because when you have uh, run your own business, and I quite often say this, when you have run your own business, you become unemployable. So when I did do the locking clause with the company that had acquired us, what I soon realised is you go from having the freedom and flexibility of being your own boss, which is the thing that most people appreciate when they do start their own business. And all of a sudden you're working in a company responsible to someone. And I think that's why you see a lot of acquisitions, actually, where the founding team then move on as soon as they can to do their next venture. But for me, it was that and it was all also seeing a gap in the market that we had started Teclicate from home offices. So when we sold, we'd got five people working from home offices in London and Manchester. So we'd started, grown and sold a home-based business. And I thought there is no website or information out there for people starting a business from home. And there are specifics around starting a business from home, things like creating dedicated space in the house so you feel this psychological difference between what's work and what's not, working around the kids in the summer holidays, planning permission and stuff like that in terms of infrastructure. So the idea for Enterprise Nation came from the experience of starting Teclicate. So I was keen to leave and pretty much on kind of day one after the lock-in clause, it was right, let's get Enterprise Nation up and running. Now, obviously, your second time round, in theory, on some levels, probably easier and other levels, probably more difficult for lots of reasons. How have you faced those difficult times, especially in the, the second time around, which I know now you'll have a lot of experience. But do you recall or isn't, are they, are they, do they come up often those times when you have to go, hold on a minute, what are we going to do here? I still have them. And the difference in this business compared to the first business is my first business was with a business partner. We were 50-50 partners. Every decision that was taken was taken together. This business, I am the sole shareholder with no business partners. So what I'm feeling this time around is that it's just you making the decisions. So it can be a lonely road. And absolutely in the business, there are days where you think, are we going in the right direction? Are we making the most of the opportunities ahead of us? And in terms of what I do at those times is you have persistence and perseverance and you never give up because you have a vision to build a business but maybe what you do do is you go to a mentor and you just talk out the challenges that you've got and even just talking it out for any small business owner is usually quite a cathartic experience. We'll have our final chat with Emma plus play a track from the sessions Duke Ellington and Lewis Armstrong play together. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mish Rea. It's business but it's personal. That was It Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing from the Duke Ellington and Lewis Armstrong sessions. My final session now with Emma Jones is about to commence and hopefully not finish too quickly. Last few years, Enterprise Nation, amazing idea, basically, as you said, a resource for businesses. Have you learnt tons from the problems that people have come to you with that you actually have to solve? 
oh my goodness, I learn things from small business owners all the time. I deliver an event called Startup Saturday. I've got um, one coming up this week. It's 35 businesses. We're together for five hours, 10am till 3pm. These are the earliest stage startups. And I go to deliver all the advice, information, tips, tools, techniques they need to get started. At the end of every Startup Saturday, I say I have learnt more, well, whether I've learnt more from them than they have from me. Hopefully I've imparted everything. I learn from startups. I learn what new technologies they're using. From growing businesses, I meet growing businesses as much as I can because you want to share the experience you're going through. If somebody's just raised raised funds, should that be something that we're considering as a business? Taking on people, where do you find the best talent? So I think you cannot run a business in isolation. You have to be talking to people who are at the same stage as you, so your small business peers. But of course also, and it goes back to this point about non-exec directors and mentors, also find those people who are 10 steps ahead of you so you can learn from their experiences. But I always run this business in partnership with others just to keep on learning. The day I stop learning is the day I'm in trouble. Now, there's a societal benefit, as you said, to businesses being created and doing well and and so on. There's a lot of societal benefit um, for your business now. Was that important to you or, or is it purely about making money? for you right now on Enterprise Nation? It's a really interesting question and it's a question especially when I address young audiences of students. Students will say to me, what is the business that I can start that will make me the most money? And I say to them, you've come at this from the wrong way. What you should be thinking is what is the thing you feel most passionate about? Start a business based on that and the money will follow. And the way I feel about Enterprise Nation is it gets huge amounts of commitment of time from me and from my team. We've got a very ambitious vision. We work very hard to realise that vision. We've got lots going on this year. Yes, it is good that income flows from that. It's not the reason we do it, but because we put so much passion, energy and commitment into it, then the money comes from it. And all the successful entrepreneurs I know have done the same thing. They followed what they love to do and the money comes with it. And in terms of the shape of entrepreneurial Britain going forward from a an enterprise nation point of view, from an Emma Jones point of view, from a startup Britain next phase, and I believe it's kind of coming to a, coming to an end at some point shortly this year... What's it going to look like? What is the landscape going to be in Britain, do you think, going forward? Are we ever going to be San Francisco? Is it ever going to be a kind of Silicon Valley feeling here? Silicon Valley, I think you could argue, is in Tech City at the moment. The constant parallel we've always drawn for over a decade, which is between the UK and the US, we've always looked across the water and said, is it something in their genes? Why are they so much more entrepreneurial? The UK is actually exceeding startup figures in the US at the moment, if you look at it as per head of population. So my argument is we have become incredibly entrepreneurial. Young people now leave college and university. In fact, young people may not even go to university because one of their considerations now is, can I become my own boss and start a business. People are sadly being laid off and so many people have said to me that was the kick they needed to start a business. It was the motivation they needed. Retirees are not retiring. They're turning into portfolio self-employed workers. We are seeing the creation of a true enterprise nation where people are doing what they love. They are earning income from it. And as we say, that's bringing societal benefits as well because they're making sure the next generation think, actually, I'm going to start a business too. So it's an incredibly exciting time to start a business we've got a supportive government and just the final thing is we've got big businesses that are really behind small businesses big companies are opening up their supply chain they want to engage with startups because startups are really sexy so you see this big support infrastructure so anyone who is starting and growing a business it's a great time because there's loads of support available and there's just no better way to live than doing something that you love to do fantastic stuff just before i let you go emma what is your song choice and why have you chosen it 
My song choice is Billie Holiday. And the reason why I have chosen Billie Holiday is because and this is quite a sad thing because it is still a work related point is when I was young, my mum ran restaurants and this used to be played a lot in the restaurant. So it kind of takes me back to a time where I didn't have too many financial commitments, but it was like a happy working family environment. So that's why this is the choice. And you've chosen that old devil called love. I, I have indeed. This is yours. Thank you very much for joining me. This is Billie Holiday's That Old Devil Called Love. Gets behind me and keeps giving me that show again. That was Billy Holiday's That Old Devil Called Love, the song choice of my business shaper today, Emma Jones. An extraordinary amount of experience packed into a short number of years and a clear vision of what the future holds for entrepreneurialism in Britain. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's nine o'clock next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers, though. Stay with us now, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.